Welcome back to another episode of Two Bros in a Podcast. Uh, this is our seventh episode. I'm Greg Jackson alongside my older brother, Brian. And we're going to do a little bit of a change of pace. In the past, all our podcasts have focused on uh, various sports, whether it be uh, basketball, baseball, football. And we're going to change it up this week. Uh, one of the things that we really want to talk about is we want to throw in a podcast every once in a while that's not sports related. This one's going to be about... Um, our favorite television show, Seinfeld. Um, and a lot of that is because uh, Jerry Seinfeld will be in St. Louis in a few weeks in St. Louis, uh, in two weeks, and uh, for a stand-up act. And, you know, this is something that kind of drug up some memories, and we'd like to kind of dive back and see some of the favorite memories that we've had of, of him. And Yeah, uh, it'll be good to see. I mean, this is a bucket list item for both of us. But, um, obviously... Uh, Jerry Seinfeld will have some newer material, but I think he'll touch on enough of the older stuff that some feelings of nostalgia will creep in. Well, and one of the things that I also like, whenever he first made his debut on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, and, and I mean, you know, he always talks over and over that when, you know, when Johnny gave him the okay, that that's when he knew he felt like he had something special. And, and that's something I really want to touch on. I, I don't watch a ton of late night TV anymore, but... We don't see that many comedians go on late night as we have seen in years past. And to me, a lot of that is because most comedians nowadays, particularly in the 21st century, there's some vulgarity in their acts. Clearly, well, you can't have that on television. And the reason I'm really looking forward to this is Jerry Seinfeld is one of the last ones where he doesn't need the very to be funny. Right. It's Most of your comedians go one of two ways nowadays. They either go the route of being a television actor um, or if they're still primarily doing stand-up, they're more to HBO or Late Night Comedy Central or some of those shows where you know, you're know you not going to catch it um, in, in some of the ways that you would have maybe back uh, prior where you, they're on The Tonight Show or Late Night or whatever. Okay, so um, we, we, we went through all the episodes. Um, this is something where we've, we've had in our minds what some of our favorite episodes. This is probably one of the first times we put pen to paper on that. Um, so we each ranked our top five episodes, and before we do that, we're gonna each we we it was, it's hard to narrow it down to five. So we each came up with some honorable mentions. Brian, do you want to start off with some of your honorable mentions on the list? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll throw out the first honorable mention. Um, one of the earlier ones, uh, the statue. Um, mm -hmm. Really, this was one of the first ones that um, shook me with them all, kind of. Um, kind of just going their different ways, but it intertwining right at the very end. Larry Davis was very good about doing that in a show. He would he would have four different plot lines going, and and not that you didn't have other shows where that happened. You know, um, there there were lots of others. Um, Cheers comes to mind because that was mm -hmm. the powerhouse when Seinfeld was coming on. But they might have different things going on, but it was kind of intertwined the whole time. Uh, Larry David was. Um, you know, he was kind of a pioneer in that he would have all four of them and they'd show them all, but they would be taking place independent of each other. And you wouldn't really see them tie together until that last two minutes between the last commercial break and the end of the show. And this was obviously a big one. Um, this is the one where um, Jerry has um, has the boyfriend of of one of Elaine's clients. He's coming in and cleaning his apartment and um, there's there's a statue there, and it winds up getting swiped. Jerry is so <laughs> taken aback by how thorough this guy is that he doesn't even think twice about it when it's first mentioned to him. And 
it takes Kramer going kind of rogue on it to go find it and bring it back. And then, of course, the irony of it getting broken right at the very end. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, that was that was one of my honorable mentions. Um, and, and so we've each probably watched or done marathons. We keep talking how we just want to take a weekend and do a, a Seinfeld marathon. Um, one of the things I do, and it's probably been about two, three years since I last did a Seinfeld marathon, is I'll look at the inside looks because to me that's the cool part about DVD sets is you you learn stuff about the episode or the show that you didn't know when it was previously going on. Um, first off, one of the things about uh, the statue is Michael Richards, I believe, said that's what he felt really. That was the one episode where he began to feel really good about the Kramer. Uh, character when he pretended to be uh, a police investigator. Well, yeah, he uh, when was he a, that, when he got the statue. He back. was largely a non-factor in the first season. I mean, he he really kind of started coming into his own um, towards those episodes. But the first season, yeah, he was not your typical Kramer. And one thing you brought up from that episode, I'm glad you did because I don't think this episode is on our honorable mentions. Uh, the bus boy and the thing that you mentioned about the statue was how all. You know they're independent and yet they came together at the end. I think from what the from the DVD collection, the Bus Boy, which was the the third episode of the second season, so the eighth episode ever, was one where I think it was the first episode where that happened, where they had independent storylines and they came together at the end when you had Elaine's boyfriend that she was trying to get rid of and the Bus Boy got in a fight and you know you you just had two storylines kind of collide and and to me i I agree with you i I thought that was great about the the tv show that um everything kind of came together and had a real comedic finish to the episode um so one of my honorable mentions that i want to bring up and i'll i'll so you brought up a second season episode i'll bring up um a ninth season one and, and that's the merv griffin show and to me I really like that one because that, I mean, you go back and there were so many outtakes for that show because Michael Richards did such a great job of mimicking Merv Griffin and pretending to be a host. I mean, the fact that this is a guy sitting in his apartment pretending that there's an audience. I mean, there really is an audience actually watching. Well, the fact that he pretended and everybody's like, what's he looking at? And it's still, it was still a great episode. The difference in it is we – so we have the, – the thing with a lot of the Seinfeld episodes is they had parts or all of them that you're like, oh, that's that's so something that happens in everyday life. This was one of them that didn't really. I mean, you, you're probably not going to see a guy – you know, digging through the dumpster and pulling out a whole, you know, whole TV show set right. and setting it up in his apartment, and that's part of the ninth season. Is they were really scrounging around for ideas that last season. That's when, you know, Jerry Seinfeld that that Christmas was like, yeah, I'm feeling like this is about the end. Not that he couldn't keep doing it, but he felt like it was going to start diminishing. But at the same time. It, well, we, it looked uh, it appeared at times like they were grounding. I mean, some of those were the funniest some of them episodes. Were funny, yes. and, and to me, that I think Larry David leaving, you could tell the show was going to come to oh, an end pretty soon. I, I mean, he clearly was, he was clearly the brains behind um, it. But I mean, the fact that Seinfeld turned down five million dollars an episode to do a tenth season—I mean, that's almost a, that's at least a hundred million dollars well, guaranteed in 1998. I mean, you, it takes a lot to walk away. There's from some artistic like integrity there, though. He didn't want to put out a bad product. Mm-hmm. And now that would, as as odd as that seemed then, nowadays that would 
seem almost impossible because you're talking in a day nowadays where any movie becomes a sequel and they milk episode or season after season after season of sitcoms that have been successful that may have jumped the shark and yes the ninth season was still very good but compared to their peak years you could start seeing a little bit of a fall off. and and going back to what we had mentioned how the storylines come together that the Murphy Griffin show is another episode where that's awesome and it all unfolds on you know, a, a, a quote-unquote episode of the Merv Griffith show where, you know, Kramer invites all these... He invites uh, Jerry's girlfriend who f- learns that he's been playing with her toys by drugging her to sleep, uh, playing with these vintage toys. Uh, you have George come on. He, he's having problems with the, the, you know, wildlife with the squirrels and the pigeons and, you know, the eagle attacks him and the squirrel. To me, it's just really cool how it all... It, normally, you're like, how is this episode going to wrap up? And they just came together and was really oh, funny yeah, about it. For sure. Um, so my second honorable mention is going to be a two-parter. It's The Trip. Mm-hmm. And this is... Um, starts off season four. Um, season three ended with um, Kramer distraught because because Jerry had taken his keys back to his apartment. Kramer was abusing the privilege and, and was frequently in there just in and out. Well, he embarks on a trip to Los Angeles to... I mean, and it, it, it's just kind of crazy where... Um, kind of how it takes place because, I mean, you're talking about they... they it's outside of the, the normal Seinfeld... Um, it, path of a, it, it of didn't a show. feel like a sitcom. There it were didn't. times it felt like a, a well, the whole a murder. Drama. The, I was gonna say the whole the whole murder suspect and and the investigation there was kind of odd. And there were different parts of it, you know, that you could see him kind of throwing a nod to. It, it looked like there were parts um, like the fugitive or when he was in the train tunnel. Um, the one thing I did like about that episode, if I'm remembering correctly, Jerry goes on the Tonight Show. George follows him out there. And I'm trying Corbin to remember Burnson Corbin Burns and, and George, George Wint. And and I thought I really enjoyed that how George thinks he's striking up these awesome conversations and those and two just go out up. there and rip him on the TV right. show. So to me it's like uh I really thought that was the start of like George thinks he knows everything and really he's just annoying these people with with some outlandish things. Yeah. Um to me, I I had a hard time leaving this off my top five because I really consider it one of the funniest episodes. Uh, was the Soup Nazi uh, again? This was he to me. He was probably the Soup Nazi was probably my favorite non-recurring cast character because he was just so quotable. Um, it was extremely funny because we hadn't seen any character like that before. The thing I really enjoyed about that was going back and watching the inside look to realize that that actually was based off a character who was furious a, that he they made not, a character off of he him. He was really not happy about it. Now, the one, the actor who played it in the sitcom, he actually got quite a bit of publicity and, and even some some financial windfall from mm-hmm. it from, from touring around and doing various gigs here and there. Uh, but no, the the actual soup Nazi in in New York was not happy. I'm thinking of it. I'm trying it, to get the name of it. It, it, was, it was in L.A. I want to say. Be, or was it? New no, York it, was or New LA? York. it was New York. Okay. It was it was. I want to say on 56th Street or something. So, I, yeah. They, they mentioned it in the book Seinfeldia that I just got done reading. Um, but I, I'm trying to think of a super international. It had some name kind of like that. But he was not a fan of it at all. Of but the, but to me, and I I think Jerry got to. I, I want to say it was a point where the writers might have been struggling. They just threw that out there, and, and 
it was just too funny not to create a character. The other thing I also liked was the guy was furious and Jerry Seinfeld in real life did not care. He was like, I don't care. Like, maybe you shouldn't have acted like that and we wouldn't have made a character off you. Right. And it, to me, it was just such a fun episode because sometimes you see, all, I mean, you have Babu who uh, only appeared on about two or three episodes. That's including the finale. Correct. And he was probably one of my, he was probably my second favorite non-recurring character after the Soup Nazi. But th to me, that was just such a fun episode where he, you know, you you have the uh, the buffet that that um, Elaine has had stolen from her. Um, you've got Kramer sitting out there watching it. You have and they're and, stolen and there's, by the... and, there's, and Jerry and his girlfriend almost breaking up because of he had to pick between soup or staying with her. It, it was just really a, a, a funny episode. I'm trying. There's not many scenes in which a soup Nazi was involved that you weren't laughing hysterically. So my third honorable mention is the sponge. And you'll kind of see this theme. I had a hard time, you know, bumping this out of my top five. But a lot of my top five episodes are the are the more controversial ones. Mm -hmm. um, whether they're controversial just in general or whether they were controversial at the time, um, as far as you know, public being included in regular conversation. But the sponge, it it cracked me up with. I mean, that's where the the sponge worthy phrase came from. Mm -hmm. And Elaine actually kind of runs all her male suitors through a gauntlet because her her choice of contraceptive has been discontinued so she buys a a bulk amount of them but she knows that the quantity is limited it's got an ex you know it it's got a specific number and once they're gone they're gone so she's starting to value them and she runs her her current male suitor through a quite a thorough interview process and the other storylines were also extremely funny how Jerry got this girl's phone number from an AIDS walk list. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she was a really, I mean, more of like, I don't know if high and mighty is the right, I mean, she was a really a goody two shoes. And he was afraid that if she found out that she'd break up with him right. over it. And she was actually okay with it. Ironically enough, though, she couldn't stand, or she did not like that he changed the waist size on his jeans from a 32 to a 31. So to me, it's one of those, it was extremely outlandish, but it was also funny. Yeah. You have Kramer, who refuses to wear the AIDS ribbon for the AIDS walk. And again, you have the recurring, uh, the same guys that stole the the, uh, the, the buffet, buffet from yeah. him. <laughs> um, and, and then you also have George gets tied in with the Lane's uh, storyline uh, because uh, uh, Susan also uses the same type of contraception. Yep. And it, to me, that was a very funny episode how they all kind of came together, but they were extremely independent on their own. Um, and so um, I'll move on to my last honorable mention, which uh, comes from... Uh, that same season, the seventh season, I believe, uh, The Rye. And to me, this was such a funny episode in the fact that, um, gosh, I'm trying to, I, I remember right, Kramer bought a bunch of stuff, bought a bunch of stuff in bulk, not at a time realizing that he bought way, way too much. It took the, him a few days the to realize, yeah, it took him to realize like, oh, I don't have any place for this stuff. Um, 
It, it, to me, it's just really cool because we, we have seen, we, I mean, I feel like everybody's been in an instance where somebody accidentally forgot, they brought something and they accidentally forgot to put it out or, or something something along those lines. And the Costanzas are like, you know what, if it's too good for you, then I'm taking it back with us. And George, who's trying to impress Susan's parents. Has to just, find a way to get just, it back in yeah, the house. Exactly. And sure enough, of course he gets caught. The, the, best, uh, the best scene, or the best you know, still shot of the whole episode is him standing outside or standing at the window, the second story window with a fishing pole and the rye on it. And yeah, it was a great way to, to wrap up that episode. And and that was also another funny one. There were so many outtakes because I, I'd be curious to see how many times Jerry tried to throw the rye bread up there. Um, and because there were times where he was just so inaccurate, it wouldn't go straight up and down. He'd throw it, and it would go like 10 feet to behind him or 10 feet off to the side. It was just really, I mean, and that was a, also a funny, where you have uh, Kramer who also, um, you know, gives the Rosses a ride. And, of course, his storyline ties into that and kind of wrecks everything for George because of the beefarino. And, mm-hmm. and the horse kind of ruins that trip. So... Um, really cool how the, all those storylines uh, intertwined, and to, I, I really thought that that was an extremely funny one. All right, so we're getting to our top five. Uh, why don't you go on ahead and start with your fifth favorite episode, Brian? Okay, well, my number five is the implant. Okay, and again, this—I believe this one came out in '93, so it was a time where um, you know plastic surgery, especially with with uh, breast augmentation, wasn't talked about in, in you know in common light especially not to the amount that it might be a reference nowadays um jerry was dating a gal named sidra and was convinced that that they weren't real that they were fake and so um you know the he convinces elaine um to go to go into um the sauna and 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 find out well she is not wanting to. She's she's says she can just tell. Uh, and towards the end of the episode, she gets up and trips and falls forward and lands right in the middle of her. Um, but there's there, there's just so many good storylines there. You know, Kramer believes he's he's met somebody famous in the sauna, Salman <laughs> Rushdie. Um, he's convinced of it. Sal Bass. Yeah. <laughs> and um, part of it that gets lost, I mean, we, we talked about the, the part of the storyline that gives gives the name to it, um, but not to be lost in it is George um, is dating a gal, Betsy, and he goes to her aunt's funeral, and George, true to character, is trying to shave every dollar he can off of his expenses and is trying to get um, get a discounted airfare. Well, to do so, he has to have a copy of the death certificate and it's funny to hear him and and how he goes about it at the actual wake (laughs) and part of it is we and of course we have the 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 real and their spectacular phrase that became you know Mm -hmm. pretty common and you know among seinfeld fans but also this is where double dipping gets a nod and that one's probably more well known i mean we we see a lot of people like you know just what is it uh you know when you it's like putting your face in the bowl and blowing. Yep. When you when you dip a chip, just take one bite and end it. And, and to me, I think that's something that we've also used. I mean, we, we kind of, 
Uh, to me, this episode may be very conscious of that. So a lot of times if I'm sharing like salsa with somebody and I take one chip and I don't end it, a lot of times I will turn I don't, it. Yeah, I will turn it to an end I didn't bite. And I don't know if I'm, my guess is it's because of that episode. And it's just really weird how something so little like that makes you so conscious of a, of an event like that. And it's not really a big deal, but, but it, it's common courtesy, you yeah. think. Um, and, and you're right. I, to me, that was... Uh, a lot of people will consider that the secondary storyline, but that was one that's going to be a long-lasting... Uh, I'd say a long-lasting imprint from the show is the double-dipping. Um, so my number five episode... And I was a little surprised it finished this low, but I, I just had so many great ones ahead of it, and I went with the Chinese restaurant. Yeah. And it, I think people are going to notice the, a lot of the theme with my episodes that I picked in my top five are that they're so unique. They may not be the five funniest, but they are unique for certain specific Well, this one's reasons. very unique because the entire episode takes place in one setting, like one specific set, and that's all they had. And Kramer mm-hmm. actually not being present in this one um, added a little bit to it. You just had the other three main characters. Exactly. But it, it, very unique. Very few shows actually take place all on one set. And one of the things, and the great part about the Inside Look was you learned a lot about this because when they sent the script to NBC, NBC was like, this doesn't make any sense. Nothing happens. What? And, but, we, but so much of it is stuff that would happen to you. In, in I mean, how many times do you put your name in and you're sitting there waiting and waiting and, and waiting? And stuff happens. And people here and even there. go by you that you swear weren't there when you were now, when you first got and there. And to me, they found ways to make that 20 minutes funny. Now, granted, funny stuff doesn't always happen while you're waiting 20 minutes for a table. But the thing I liked about it was. It was a gamble. It paid off. And then we saw them really point out this particular episode when they were pitching the fake pilot in the fourth season. Like, what would you do today? That's a show. And to them, that made absolutely no sense. And again, it doesn't, but they found a way to make it funny. You had it, It was such a huge gamble because I felt like you had a very small... You couldn't afford any... Uh, margin of error to pull off this episode. And I thought they really hit the hammer on the head. And you mentioned it was one of the few episodes where Michael Richards doesn't appear. Um, I believe I don't. Uh, there's the pen episode where both Michael Richards and Jason Alexander weren't in. Right. And if I remember right, Jason Alexander said, "If you write me out of a show again, just write me off the show altogether." Because um, one of the things that you one of the things that Jerry Seinfeld talked about as the show came to an end is nobody will think about one of us without thinking about the other three. And that was the great thing about this show was um, there there weren't that many episodes. There, I can't remember if there were a few episodes where Julia Louis-Dreyfus didn't appear because she was pregnant at the time. That might have been the case. But there, there, they, eventually, they also it, did a good job of writing around that. They, they would stage stuff in front of her mm-hmm. between the camera and her, and they would put her in outfits that were very... You almost have to be watching, because they hit it very well, even for, for back then. And, and like I said, I mean, that's... The, the Chinese restaurant, yes, Michael Richards isn't in it. I think it would have had a hard time making it a realistic episode, because, I mean, he's already an outlandish character. It, I, I don't know. It would have had a hard time fitting in yes. one specific location for the whole episode. Yeah, and... His his character doesn't do good, stuck in the same place, and staying He's always got to be on the go, yeah. Right. Um, so let's see. My number four, um, I put the parking garage. And 
And that's another one that I had a hard time cutting, but I did make the cut on that one. It, it's very Some, much, very much like a Chinese restaurant. Yeah. Well, it's it kind of took place all in the same location. Um, it's funny because how many times have we been out and you forget where you parked? And this is before smartphones where you can take a picture or you can use an app to, to figure out your location. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is something pretty common. And in those multi-level parking garages, what, what six, seven, eight levels, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's easy to get lost and it's hard to cover that much amount of space. And, uh, you know, the troubles they all ran through, Kramer was wanting to go get an AC unit. And just to get out of the house, the other three went along with him. And, you know, George was, you know, frantic because he had to make it back to meet his parents for dinner. And Elaine was frantic because she had bought a goldfish mm-hmm. and had, you know, a certain amount of time before it could be in a bowl or, or die. Um, you know, Kramer decides at one point in the episode to sit his air conditioning unit behind a car so he doesn't have to walk around with it. <laughs> and then he loses the AC unit. And he ultimately finds it. You know, Kramer and Jerry disappear at different times for, for getting busted for... George for, and Jerry. What'd I say? Kramer. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> George and Jerry both disappear at different times now, for I'm getting busted remember, peeing in public. Which one was it? Was it Jerry first and then George or was it the other way around? I believe it was... Jerry was first. That's right. Yeah. And then George. Because Jerry gave them George's story about why he, he had to that's do right. it. And then George was telling the true story. And, the, <laughs> and he wasn't buying You know, the, the parking garage um, security... It was like, let me, let me guess, let me guess. It's, <laughs> parents have a have an anniversary, and and then he gets to the the office, and there's Jerry, and they both get a citation for it. But it's you know, and what is it? They they try and talk different people into driving them around to find to find Which, the car. How hard is it to sound sane while you're doing it, that? It is. I mean, it sounds innocent enough, and sometimes, but it's also New York. I mean, you might in the Midwest, yeah. you might find somebody who'll do that out of the kindness of their heart, but in New but York City, not, that's, not that's, a big city. That's more than likely not going to happen, right? Um, so my my uh, number four episode, and this will probably sur- surprise a lot of people. I picked the very first episode, the pilot. The si- yeah, well, actually, the pilot is well, the title oh, yeah, of right, right. season. The four. pilot episode. Sorry. I picked the Seinfeld Chronicles, which is initially what the television show was going to be titled right. instead, just Seinfeld. The reason I picked that one, the the whole premise of the show initially was about this guy who does stand up, and he has these friends. And his stand-up somehow works into the storylines. Now, they eventually got away from that. I mean, it, for the next few seasons, you'd see him open up. They'd and reference. He, and he'd but do, he would have different jobs he'd go to. they reference it. But, he, yeah, but by the second half of the, of the series, it, it really wasn't. Definitely by, I, I don't know what season, maybe the sixth, the fifth or sixth season, I want to say, is when they stopped opening with the set I want to say it was season six. Um and to me, that's why I like the Seinfeld Chronicles because that that was kind of funny. I liked how um, we, we saw a lot. I felt like he used a lot of his best bits in that one particular episode, like the uh, laundry detergent, ep- or the laundry detergent joke. Like maybe you know, maybe getting if you're talking about getting blood out of your laundry, maybe laundry isn't your biggest problem right now. Um, it, it was just such a funny episode because they dove in when you come up with a story like this. How do you come up with a well, first topic? And the, w- what do you do when you have a female friend that you're you're pretty friendly with, but you don't know if she's looking to right. have a relationship with you or not? How how do you dive into that? It, and that that was it, it. Won't always happen that way, but I liked how they had 
uh, it was a problem that a lot of guys experience and they don't really know how to embrace it. It was it was a good pilot. It did not get good reviews. And so and a, a lot, lot of that was because they didn't have the female character in right. which they did eventually add in time so, for the second episode. Well, and here's the thing, a lot and a lot of Seinfeld fans may not know this, but this is how close it came to not being a show. And I know people will talk about Cheers and how it was the lowest rated show when it first came out. And look how far it came. Seinfeld, there's a reason it was only five episodes that first season. It technically wasn't a season. The pilot aired and it got poor reviews. And they pretty much just threw it to the back burner. Okay. Then they finally came back to, to Jerry Seinfeld, Larry David, months later and said, hey, We'll give you a second crack at it. We have a two-hour block in airing at late night hours in the summer. We want you to fill it with four episodes. That's how the other four episodes came along. So you can kind of tell a difference between the pilot and the the episodes two through five of the first season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can tell like the intro music. There's a little difference. Um, some of the humor, and of course, Elaine is there in the in episodes and two through five. And they were in the pilot episode. They were wanting the waitress to kind of carry the weight of the female right. character. That I mean, she only appeared in one scene so you knew that wasn't going to take off my question to you though is Seinfeld debuted in the summer I mean do you feel to me I felt like that you're going to have a hard time getting high numbers when you're trying to debut a show during the summer because there's a reason why shows run from September to May because everybody's got a lot going on during the summer they also will put the shows they believe the most in in the best situations to succeed they didn't think a lot of this show off the bat Okay, they thought, hey, here's a shot. We'll take a crack at it. It was just a pilot. What, what's it hurt to air it? Mm-hmm. This wasn't like, you know, one where you've had somebody successful before. This wasn't like the Frasier spinoff where it was coming off of a very successful sitcom. Right. Uh, this is one that they're like, you know what? We'll roll the dice on it, and if it doesn't work. But they weren't going to air the pilot like at an 8 o'clock on a Thursday night. They just they weren't going to set it up like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I mean, it was a lot. Of, there was a lot of fun stuff. You have uh, George obviously starting off in real estate. Uh, doesn't stay there much. I don't think he was in real estate past the end of the second season. You had Kramer. Kramer had a dog. That was the only episode in which we we see Kramer owning a uh, owning a dog. So we, we're not sure what quite happened to the dog. Um, but to, yeah, I uh, the the laundromat scene where George keeps talking about signals, and to me. You could tell the George character was going to take off because Jason Alexander was so great with physical comedy. I mean, to me, like the snapping of the fingers, the little things here and there, um, you know, signals, Jerry, signals. And if I remember right, um, during uh, on the DVD set, Jason Alexander said he came in and approached the George character as if he was from a Woody Allen film. And when he did the um, audition, he thought he was way too over the top. But and, it was, and it was perfect. It was what they wanted, and then that role transformed into, yep. "Hey, this is the uh, pretend Larry David." Is who? Well, you're that's, that's really who it was after was Larry David. Um, so to me, I, I really thought that that was probably it was good. I, I thought Jason Alexander was. I thought that was a huge episode for him. Okay, so my number three uh, was the Cigar Store Indian. And, again, this is one of those where you had some controversial parts to it. Um, Jer- or George's parents are out of town, um, but he has his friends over, and they leave a, a ring on the coffee table. And um, George's parents are ob- George's dad is very anal about it. So Jerry and George go in to take it in to get refinished, and while they're in there um, at the shop, they see a cigar store Indian that Jerry is going to buy. And he he's gonna buy it for Elaine. Um, 
because he stood her up and wasn't able to give her a ride home Mm -hmm. and brings it over to a girls' night that they're having, to a girls' poker night. And Elaine has a Native American friend (laughs) that um, Jerry isn't aware that that's her background Mm -hmm. and brings it in. And he, of course, you know, Brings it up big and hey, he throws uh, ho, well hey, he, he throws a couple you know a peace pipe and bury the hatchet and <laughs> he throws out a bunch of different phrases in there that that offend Elaine's friend and after she leaves that's when they're they realize oh it's you know hey Jerry she's a Native American you can't in the scene that follows that when he is. Uh, when he has recognized that she is Native American, it, the, the scene following that when they're getting ready to go out for a date was when, hilarious. When, when he tries to reference a scalper, a reservation, and and he tries to talk about Indian giving, oh, and man. and he catches himself before each one, and he tries to you know skirt about it a different way, and it's it's just you know they, these can be offensive phrases, but they find a way to put a comedic spin on it. I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with that term. I loved how he responded right. to that when she tried to. Call Call him out on the Indian giver, it and to me that was just so uh, well put because it, I mean that was a very um, I mean sometimes again this was early in the show it could have been considered a racy topic and I thought they they approached it they didn't really hammer it home but they found a way to have some fun with it without being insulting at the same time and I thought that was key with the show was. To, to kind of talk about these topics, to, to have fun at their expense, but to not insult right. them at the same time. Right. Um, okay, so my number three episode was a two-parter, The Boyfriend. And it's gotten to the point where if you talk to people nowadays who are our age, they have no idea about Keith Hernandez, the baseball player. A right. lot of them remember him from the Seinfeld episode. And I, I think I've, I've seen him talk about this before on some YouTube clips, and he's just like, it, it's hilarious. I enjoyed my time on the show, but it blows my mind how many people say, oh, yeah, you're Keith Hernandez from the Seinfeld show instead of Keith Hernandez from the New York Mets. Yeah. Um, so the episode is, you know, Jerry and George are at their health club. They bump into Keith Hernandez, who turned out to be a huge fan of Jerry's stand-up act. Um, they exchange phone numbers. It's, it's just, it's, it's just it's they're having a, they're meeting together and they're going out on a first date. Right. Uh, Jerry doesn't know how to begin a relationship with a with a male friend. It's all really kind of funny. And what do I do? Do I do I give him a firm handshake? Do I reach him for a hug? It's like a lot of times when guys go out on their first dates with a girl. Do I lean in for a kiss? Right, right. Do I give her a hug? Had, like, had a lot of. I don't know how to approach it. And they had a lot of fun at that expense. Like, what do you do in that situation? Yeah. Um, then you have where you know uh, Keith Hernandez and Elaine end up uh, dating for a little bit until Elaine finds, finds out, out that he smokes. smokes. Um, and I thought that one-on-one scene where uh, Elaine and Keith were together at the bar talking about the bases. Uh, yeah, I thought that was a very good one-on-one scene. Uh, very funny, very relatable. Um, you also another storyline on that that's almost separate is George with the unemployment office and, and you know trying to get an extension and and he actually is about to get one because she's a big a big Mets fan but before that you know he uses Jerry's phone number as Vandalay Industries and sure enough when they called Kramer answers the phone and and George is in the bathroom and can't get to him in time so George is all sprawled you out in be his my latex salesman. yes and that was a very good line I think that ended the first part that um, that did yes. Then after that, I believe George dated uh, her daughter. Her daughter that didn't work out, and that's when the Keith Hernandez yep. part came up as a latch stitch. 
Um, and the, if I remember right, the episode George had talked there. I think it was a random conversation at Monks where George is like, "I've never been with a. I've never gone out with a tall woman before." And this the episode ends, I believe, with like a six three or that six. That followed him home when he dropped his wallet. Yeah. And to me, it was just it was really weird how that episode ended. Because if you weren't paying close attention, it didn't make sense to you. But it was really cool how something very minor that they talked about at the coffee yep. shop ended up coming full circle at the end of the episode. I, I mean, a great episode. It's easy to ha be a great episode when it's 44 minutes instead of 22. But right. they did a really good job of no, wrangling yeah. everything in. So my number two is the marine biologist. That's a good one. And, you know, so many good things. Um starts off with Elaine being assigned to a, a Russian writer, Yuri Testikov. Um, and Jerry is just throwing out a joke um, that it was it was the author of War and Peace, his his mistress or his wife or um, what War, is, what is it good for? Yeah, suggested that he was going to call it War, what is it good for? And she's the one that suggested him to change it to War and Peace. Well, Elaine mentions it to this author, and that doesn't set well with him. She has a uh, <laughs> a, a planner, mm -hmm. a, an electronic planner that won't quit beeping, and he throws it out. It hits a lady that... Because it, now, did he think it was a tape recorder because he, it was beeping or something? I'm not or? sure what he thought it was, but he wasn't comfortable with it. Um, and especially once Elaine couldn't shut it off, I think he was more just annoyed by, annoyed by the pitch of it. Mm -hmm. um, that That's part of it. That doesn't tie into the best part of the storyline in my mind. So Jerry <laughs> runs into a college friend in an ATM and um, doesn't recognize her at first. But once he's done, he gets his money, he's going away, she recognizes him. And so they're talking, well, you know, he tells her that... that George is doing pretty well, that and that, that George is a marine biologist, and which George knows nothing about. Well, in the meantime, Kramer wants to quit golfing because he went out to the beach and was trying to hit golf balls and was shanking or missing all of them. But he did hit one, and he said he hit way out there before Luke. And uh, <laughs> so George and uh, and Jerry's college friend are out walking on the beach, and there's a beached whale. And, and and just the, the the last the last scene of George talking in and in how, the coffee shop. How that, often was there a monologue? I, that this might is, be. Was that one of the only? That might have been the only monologue in the entire this, show. No, well, I think there are more, but this was the funniest by far. Oh, I and, take it back. Yeah, you had Elaine with the busboy. She yep. had the monologue of how she was driving the airport. But you, like I was saying, but, it, it but didn't this one often. this one is hilarious. You know, George talks about how he gets thrown <laughs> up on the whale and reaches in and she was and angry that day. My friend pulls out the instruction a golf ball and the the best part of that is how michael richards is able to somewhat yes. keep a straight face because the audience is dying laughing when when george shows the golf ball and and richards has to deliver one line and he keeps the straightest face i don't know how many takes it took but on this one he's really fighting it really fighting it and finally he <laughs> is that a titleist a oh, hole in one he 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 has to wait though for the crowd's laughter to die down that was this was very close to being the number one. And for it was me. so funny because, like, we talk, it started off like he, so he's walking out into the ocean and it goes straight into the monologue. They fast forward to where yep. they're in monks and George is telling yep. the story. I like the whole the sea is angry, the sea was angry that day, my friends. 
Um, there was the whole where George calls it the big fish and Jerry says mammal, whatever. whatever. Yeah, it this, was just, it, it wasn't a straight. This, but uh, this was a great episode. This was very close to being my number one. It, yeah, yeah, it was a great one, and the fact that that no, I don't think many people can recite that monologue word for word. But people, a lot of people remember how it began. A lot of people remember how it ended. And it, it was just a very, very funny scene there by those guys re, uh, recapping it. Right. Um, so my number two, and people are, I, I imagine a lot of people are going to be surprised that this makes the list. But again, I love this episode because it's so it's unique, unique. Is The Betrayal. Um, it was a, an episode from season nine. Um, not extreme. I mean, it wasn't one of the funniest ones, but to me... Like I said, I've seen a lot of TV shows. But it got shows, funnier because it ran backwards. And I, I've i watched a lot of TV shows where they'll have an episode here or there where they start off in the present, then they rewind three weeks With or flashbacks, so, and, but this and one they, went completely... And they bring you back to the present. It, there's no other episode on any television show like this. If I remember right, this episode was derived from the play, The Betrayal, which is... About an extra, I want to say it's about an extramarital affair that goes backwards. It goes from the present to way in the past. Um, and I think one of the writers who put this together said, I mean, when you go to college and you, you're wanting to be a, a writer or an actor, this is one of the this is something that a lot of them had to um, had to learn about in class. And they're like, it just made sense. And again, it was season nine. They may have been running out of ideas, and if they were, this was one heck of a home run idea. Yeah. Um, the premise of the show is we see the return of Sue L. Mitchke, who I believe appeared in about three, maybe four episodes. This was her final appearance before. I'm not sure if she appeared in the finale or not, but she's getting married in India. Elaine believes that she was sent an invitation, meaning this is an invitation, but I really don't want you to come. So Elaine uh, turns the table well, because she on. got it so close to the actual exactly. date. Like and a Elaine week turns the table on her and decides to go. And lo and behold, Elaine doesn't realize that nobody is really going to this wedding because it's in India. So she becomes Sue Ellen Mischke's maid, uh, of, maid honor. of honor. You have. Uh, Nina, who Jerry used to date, but George is and, and kind George, of dating. And Jerry, they didn't work. Well, out no, well. Jerry, Jerry didn't really date her. They, Jerry, they were friends. He they were always friends, her, but they but never the had that awkward silence. Conversation was so good that it, it was hard for them to yeah. be anything more than friends. And so Jerry tries to set up. Well, but in the meantime, they end up having an, uh, Jerry and Nina end up having a backslide. They have an affair, and they try to keep it a secret from George. But the problem is um, Elaine. Kind of catches them at the end, and uh, this is. I thought this was another very funny storyline because we didn't really know that Schnapps was a weakness for Elaine, and this episode really hammers it home because you have. I'll, I, I won't. I'll start in order from the past to the present, where George notices that Elaine's acting really weird whenever they mention Nina and Jerry, and so George is like, ah, peppermint Schnapps. He takes her to the coffee shop, finds out that. You know, uh, Jerry and Nina had an affair. Jerry doesn't realize it until they go to India after he realizes that George is acting strange. He then gets Elaine drunk on snaps, and she says, I told him. And right. to me, I thought that was really funny how they kind of used Elaine's well to find out what they each wanted to know. And I like this episode because they flash all the way back to when Jerry's moving in. That too. And, and you start to see how Kramer started his ways of mooching off Jerry. Jerry, and, Jerry offers him to come in, says he's got pizza, come on over. And he goes, well, it's mine, it's yours, come on over. And b- b- before that, during the closing credits, 
Um, you had a flashback two years earlier where George kept saying you could stuff your sorries in a sack, mister, and we found out that um, that Susan had put that saying in his head somewhere, mm-hmm. and I guess he just had never really said it until then. Um, it, it, like yours, and Pinter, the 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 guy who was supposed to marry Sue Mishki, Elaine had dated him. Yeah. Um, in the past, now Peter uh, at the time. Peter, yeah, Pinter, Peter. Um, it was one of those where we saw two types. It wasn't really an affair, but Sue Ellen was so distraught that Elaine had not mentioned that they had previously dated right. two years earlier that she got pretty mad and called off the wedding. And, and to me, now I, I, I've watched it maybe once, but have you ever gotten on the DVD version and watched it the other way around? It, it really isn't funny. To me, the, the reason this episode's That's, funny is because... And playing in reverse really helps because out. Because the audience knows what's going to happen. It's like they know more than the audience... That They know more than the characters do as the show unfolds. Yep. All right, so we're we're both going to jump into number one because when we put one, I mentioned this idea. I had a feeling we were both going to have the same number one. I love that we all that we had different. Not only did we have different rankings, but we had completely different episodes for our two through five and honorable mentions. The number one episode, and it's going to be an episode that a lot of people rank as their favorite, is the contest. Yes, and this. Um, it came out in November of '92, so it was. It's coming a, up on 25 years. Yeah, it's a, it was a controversial topic at the time, but um, the contest it starts with. Um, so George, he was at his parents' house, and his mom walked in on him, um, and he he, you know, threw out that it was a glamour magazine, and, and so it, it threw his mom. His mom fell, messed her back up, so she had to go to the hospital. And so George makes the comment, "Well, I'll tell you what, I'm never doing that again." And that starts they, the banter goes back and forth, and they decide to throw a hundred dollar bet in. Well, Kramer says he wants in, and then Elaine says she wants in also, and they said, "No, no, no, you have to throw in higher odds because you're, you're well, a girl." It, it was a, it was supposed to be just a bet between Jerry and George, and then Kramer wants in. You want in? You'll be out before we get the check. And, yep. And then George tried to say it was unfair that Elaine won it. No, you've got to put up two to one. Two one on you got to put so down two hundred and Kramer so she wound said, up putting in Kramer wanted to put down a thousand. She wound up putting in a hundred and fifty. <laughs> but it was pretty funny because um, they each kind of have their own troubles. Kramer is fixated with with this exhibitionist that lives in the apartment across the street. Um, Elaine runs into John F. Kennedy Jr., <laughs> which which about does it for her. Um, George obviously has his issues now, and actually he's in the hospital it, with, with the, his mom. And the nurse and, next and there's door. a nurse sponge bathing a an attractive patient. patient. And and Jerry is dating a virgin, so you can see they all have their um, their intertwining um, stories going on, and and you know Kramer obviously is the first one out. He he comes in he comes in shortly after the bets main slams his money down on the table and says I'm out. And, and that was one of the things that they talked about how the episode was so funny was that Mike, it, Michael Richards didn't say anything. He just all of a sudden up and started to walk off and showed up like two minutes later and it was just. The, the way the nonverbal comedy in that scene unfolded. And that was, that I believe, even, while they were watching the girl across the exactly. street. Um, and then Elaine, the way she came out, like she slowly came slowly into starts putting money the apartment. On the table. And, and they're like, no way, the queen is dead. And, oh, John, 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 John. And, and they had so many different euphemisms for this. You know, Lord of the Manor, King of the County, Queen of the Castle, Master of His Domain. But it was just really funny. And this was, 
you know, this was pretty controversial and when they were looking at putting it on, on the air. NBC, kind of like I talked with the Chinese restaurant, they were way unsure about this. And I think... Gosh, they were more sure. They, it wasn't the Chinese restaurant. They just weren't sure it'd be successful. This one, they're sure it was. I, they just thought they were kind of getting into that gray area of, hey, this is a little too risque. I can't think of the exact quote, but I want to paraphrase it. And I want to say that NBC executives were, we don't agree with this, but we'll let you run the episode. It was one of those where they agreed to disagree. And because they appreciated what the show had done through the first three seasons, they're like, we're going to go on a limb because that's worked well for us in the past. And, and again, they hit a home run, like you said. Well, they, remember this. This kind of bridged the the gap for them from Cheers to to the next. Well, this mm-hmm. this ultimately bridged the, the gap from Cheers to Friends. And like you said, the fact that they you knew what they were talking about without them actually <laughs> saying, saying what it, it was. Right. To to be honest, I mean that takes an incredible writing talent it to did. pull off. It did. This is actually the only Seinfeld because script. nowadays they would say the word, but yeah. twenty five years ago you, you couldn't, couldn't get away with say that. it. And and this this is the only Seinfeld script I actually owned, but um, do have a copy of this one. It's it's hilarious. It's it was. Like I said, as much as I wanted to consider marine biologists for number one, this one was a pretty easy call. Um, and again, and the best it. part was again the storylines all came together because John JFK Jr. was supposed to be Wound laying outside of Jerry's apartment because she thought he lived there. Jerry was dating Marla, and he was getting ready to lose the contest, and, and he ended up telling her what it was. She was appalled, left the apartment, and, and ran into John, John F. Kennedy John, Jr. Who, you know, takes care and takes. And didn't her off. Kramer at the very end wind up in the exhibitionist's yes. apartment? And so it just has a funny roundabout way. Um, they reference it um, right towards the end. I can't remember. I think it's in in the finale, the, the finale part one, where they're the planes. Jerry going admits down. that he cheated. Uh, no, 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 George. Or George, George, George admits he cheated. And said like, Jerry right, won. I won. Yeah. Because and I think they really were. I think Larry David was happy to do that because I think that was one of the questions everybody had was we don't know who won the contest. We just knew it was down to George and Jerry. Yeah, and that was really cool that they made that reference in the finale. So, oh, good, we finally haven't answered that question five years later. Yep. Um. Again, such a great episode. Um. You know what? Well, I mean, we're. It's it, we'll, we'll, we'll throw this out on Facebook. We'll throw this out on Twitter. I mean, feel free to comment. Let us know. I, a lot of people are going to disagree with how we rank some of these episodes. Go on ahead. Let us uh, like go on ahead. And respond. Let us know what do you. What's your favorite episode? How much does your list differ from us? Because this is. It's one of the cool things, like Brian and I were talking about. Our lists were hardly or extremely different, except for our favorite episodes. That's the great thing about this is we then you can see why somebody likes this episode more yep. than the other, and vice versa. Um, so again, you know, subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. Um, and we'll we'll, uh, we'll get back to you with another episode here in a couple weeks, more than likely on the upcoming Missouri basketball season. Yeah, which man, we that. we have been really looking forward to that. So uh, thanks for listening, guys.